Hello, it's Nick Brown, Global Child Health Editor for ADC. I'm really pleased um, that Sadia Shakur is joining us today. Sadia and her colleagues at the Arakan University have written a fascinating paper on TB control programs in South Asia and the paediatric implications for that. It's a very erudite paper she wrote with colleagues there. Sadia herself is a clinical microbiologist and has written this with other clinical colleagues. Welcome, Sadia. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me here. I, I, I just wanted to ask you in broad terms, what's, for those who, who don't have much experience, what, what's different about paediatric tuberculosis to adult tuberculosis? So in terms of the differences from adult tuberculosis, I think that children are very different. They develop disease a lot sooner, uh, after exposure, that is, and infection. And much of that is due to the underdeveloped immune system that is meant to control the spread of the uh, organism, mycobacterium tuberculosis, within the body. And from a public health perspective, uh, I think that active pediatric tuberculosis is different from adult tuberculosis because it's very difficult to diagnose. Uh, it is typically elusive and it is typically smear negative, which is smears are done to diagnose tuberculosis. And they're usually positive in adults, but in children, they may be negative. Cultures are also negative. And the recently developed molecular tests may also be negative. So uh, having said that, sampling for pediatric tuberculosis is also that much more difficult. And the public health program sample of choice is sputum, which young children less than five years of age uh, do not usually produce. It's difficult for them to expectorate. They usually swallow their sputum. And also, children are more likely to have extrapulmonary tuberculosis, which is uh, not as common in adults. So how is the diagnosis made then if you're not able to get sputum? So in terms of the uh, diagnosis, the WHO also has recently given out guidelines and guidance as to how to diagnose tuberculosis in children. And diagnosis, although it's a real challenge, the WHO has put forward recommendations, uh, there is actually no substitute to good clinical judgment. And what is recommended is a careful history to assess uh, the history of TB contact uh, and consistent symptoms, uh, followed by a growth assessment and a directed examination, which is essential. There are ancillary tests that we can do, like uh, tuberculin skin test, chest x-ray, but they're ancillary. Uh, in, and in addition to that, we always try and get a bacteriological diagnosis, which is to say that we get um, specimens, bacteri uh, microbiological specimens, and molecular diagnosis whenever we can, which is the real challenge in pediatrics. It's difficult mm. to get those specimens and difficult to diagnose. Sure. And so I guess often treatment has to be at least partly empirical on the basis of suspicion. Yes. Yeah. And in, in terms of the burden in South Asia, because this is, this is the crux of the paper, why are programs so difficult in the four countries you discussed? So you know, we know that South Asia has uh, its own inherent problems. It has a very high child mortality rate and the under five uh, mortality rate. And it's a second only to sub-Saharan Africa. We know that it houses a lot of high burden uh, TB high burden countries. And 
all of that comes together to give us an epidemic of pediatric tuberculosis. Now, the essential thing to consider here is that there is an intense epidemic TB in South Asia at the moment, and there are many risk factors that intensify TB spread, especially among children, and these include poverty, malnutrition, overcrowding, passive smoking, uh, and these are increasingly prevalent in South Asia. And it's in stark contrast to what the national priorities are. That is to say that the dominating priorities are, for example, defense. And so health budgets and health, uh, usually it's sidelined. Uh, it's sidelined as an issue and standards of living are also compromised. So this gives us a, a very intensified epidemic of TB in South Asia, factors that are difficult to control at the same time, and national tuberculosis programs are operant in all these conditions. And there is only so much that one program can fix. And if those factors, these external factors of poverty, malnutrition, overcrowding are not considered and fixed at the same time that you're trying also to uh, decrease tuberculosis rates, it's very difficult to go forward and actually eliminate child TB, which is, or at least eliminate deaths from childhood tuberculosis, which is what the MDG and the uh, WHO goals are. Yeah. And in, in terms of the act, actual burden, which is clearly extremely difficult to estimate, just for um, yes. those who are listening who are not familiar with the scale, are there any particular take-home numbers to give an idea of the scale of the problem? So we don't actually have the numbers. The first prerequisite of any uh, control program is actually to know the epidemic. Yeah. The problem with pediatric tuberculosis is we don't know our epidemic. We don't know what the numbers are. We don't know uh, what the exact rates of childhood TB are. We don't know what the areas are where it's prevalent and which is why it's also increasingly difficult to direct program efforts towards those things mm. because, for example, the case detection rate and tuberculosis is measured in a way that deliberately ignores children, although there have been many developments over time that have taken care to improve on that. And we are moving towards it in a positive way, but it's, we're still lagging behind, especially in uh, the high burden countries in South Asia. Sure. So what are the implications of, of the paper for contact tracing? So there's some discussion in the paper, but how... Does that help guide your prevalence estimation? What steps do you, do you need to go through in, in this sort of setting? Okay, so for in terms of contact tracing, we know that uh, contact tracing is essential to public health programs, especially ones that have been able to control adult tuberculosis. The reason that we need to do a lot of contact tracing in pediatric tuberculosis is uh, we have a lot of adult tuberculosis, and we know that pediatric tuberculosis stems from adult tuberculosis. Obviously, these children are contacts of uh, adult, uh, adult TB patients, and contact tracing is one way that we can identify these children at an earlier stage and prevent disease in them by actually treating for latent TB infection. It can also, however, identify children with active disease, which is why it's essential to have contact tracing arms um, over time, and because of the traditional views on tuberculosis, people have believed that children do not contribute much to the spread of the epidemic. And this is one uh, reason why uh, programs have not focused too much on pediatric tuberculosis, and therefore contact tracing arms are not built in 
to TB programs. And we feel that uh, contact tracing is increasingly essential these days because a lot of children are being missed, not only uh, because there is uh, difficult diagnosis and difficult, but there's also difficult access. Contract tracing would actually solve that problem by actually tracing all the adult TB patients and doing household contact tracing as a first measure and bringing out the children who have been exposed, who may be at greater risk, and who have actually, in fact, developed active disease. Sure. It's a complex situation. And in, in terms of uh, tuberculosis resistant to the standard anti-tuberculosis drugs, have you, are you encountering much? I realize that you're often not getting an appropriate microbiological sample in any case in terms of sputum, but are you encountering a, a clinical resistance to standard treatments or, or bacterial resistance in those children in whom you are getting sputum? Absolutely, yes. So when we said that we don't know our epidemic, not only do we not know what the incidence uh, in pediatric, in, in among the pediatric population is, we also do not know what the resistance rates are. And we have highlighted in the paper that very few countries have actually been able to report resistance, resistance rates among children. Uh, having said that, we know that the grand reality is that there is multidrug resistance in children because children get, get this disease from adults and there is uh, multidrug resistance to disease in adults. Mm. So it follows that children also have um, suffered from multidrug resistance, but the, the rates are just not reported because, as you said, there is very little bacteriological confirmation and therefore we do not know. So uh, we do hope that the recently developed molecular tests like GeneXpert will be able to solve that problem by at least giving us resistance to an indicator drug and be able to tell us what the rates are. Uh, and also national tuberculosis programs can, to be control programs, can strive to get more bacteriological uh, confirmation and dry diagnosis from, from children um, in an effort to delineate what the drug resistance rates among children are. Yeah, yes. Where are you heading in terms of um, the next decade, perhaps? Where, what sort of conversation will we be having in, in 2024? That's a very difficult question. I, in, in terms of when we uh, actually sat down and did a situational analysis, we, we realized that there are too many external factors that we can't account for when we're looking at just a single TB program and going forward planning and planning health budgets. But there is too much that we're just not taking into account. There are too many external threats like economic threats and poverty and threats of war that we uh, do not consider when we plan into 20, you know, 10 years later or sure. 15 years later. So. Having said that, I, I think that we, uh, the WHO and the UNICEF and the Global Fund uh, and the Stop TV Partnership have put forward guidelines. They have put forward roadmaps towards elimination of, or, or at least control of mm. TB in children that are very positive uh, actions. And I think that we have much to learn from that. We have much to adapt from the guidelines put forward, and I think that high burden countries are poised to do that at the moment mm. if the external conditions do not worsen and if 
the political milieu uh, doesn't change too much as it is uh, right now. Afghanistan, Pakistan, and I, uh, to what extent in Bangladesh and India, but of course, to some extent, these uh, suffer from a very unstable political environment. And therefore, it is difficult to predict where the programs are actually going to take disease control. But I think that we have cause to be optimistic because uh, actions have been taken to at least include children in uh, national guidelines. And what needs to be done is now move forward from a public health perspective positively and actually implement them mm. and educate and train more people, employ more people so we have more workforce. And uh, I, I think that that is the way to go if, if national TB programs... And we would also like to suggest that national TB programs also conduct these situational analyses in-depth analyses of their own programs so that, you know, these external threats can be accounted for in time and uh, actions can be taken to adjust for them. That's a fascinating area and extremely complex, but it's a um, relatively upbeat note to, to finish on. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Sadia. I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed it and, and, and reading the paper, seeing it evolve. Thank you very much for giving us the chance to project our work. Thank you.